when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Farm Talk with Dairy Gold Quality Feeds. Trusted by generations of farmers. Dairy Gold Quality Feeds. Putting your animal nutrition needs first. Welcome to our program. I'm John O'Connor. Coming up later in the programme, call for vigilance against dog attacks on pregnant ewes. Susan Casey, calf milk replacer specialist with Dairy Gold Agribusiness, has an update on calf care. Proposed legislation on hill ramblers, Karen Walsh, solicitor, Walsh & Partner South Mall. First, Kieran Collins, tillage specialist, Chagas Park, has details of upcoming events. Yeah, hi John. Uh, yeah, just my own perspective, I suppose we have our, it's an annual event really at this stage, um, always in around St. Valentine's Day and it's kind of the first walk of the year really in terms of, of um, crop management. So that's on Thursday the 14th and the, the same venue as always, that's the department farm there in Ballyderown and Femoy and we'll be kicking off there John at 11 o'clock. So there's two other events my colleagues asked me to announce there, John. So Chagas and West Cork are starting a part-time green cert course for over 23s. So that starts on February the 19th, and the contact there is Pat Flannery in the McCroom office. And the other event there, John, is a beef event. It's the, the, new, the new scheme there. I think it stands for Beef uh, Environmental Efficiency uh, Pilot Scheme. So... There's an information meeting on that scheme, and that's in Cantorque on Tuesday, the 12th of February, and that's um, 7.30 p.m., and the venue is the Cantorque Golf Club, John. That's fine. And again, you did kindly give us details of that, and uh, the speakers will include Ashling Malloy, Ellen Standish, and Eddie Webb, uh, all from Chagask in Cantorque. And if anyone should want to contact the Cantorque office of Chagask, it's 029 86 that's uh, 029-50-886 for that event. The brief mention again of the Winter Crops Walk uh, coming up fairly soon. Yeah, it's, uh, it's on Belly Deroun in the department farm there, and that's on, on Thursday the 14th, and that starts at, at 11 o'clock. So it'll run from 11 to 1, John. That's fine. Now we turn to the general picture, the general cereal picture. What... Uh, would you expect the cereal acreage to be this year, Ciarán? And what would you say the prospects are for tillage farmers this year? Yeah, I suppose we, we've come out of a very unusual year in the sense that, you know, in 2018, we had a very late spring, and obviously that was followed by, by a summer drought. And, 
you know, what we saw, I suppose, really was, you know, in terms of, of output, in terms of euros per hectare, it wasn't a bad harvest, but there was huge variation. You know, those winter crops, I suppose, fared reasonably well. And some of those with, with, with spring crops, it was a little bit up and down, depending on where you were and obviously if, if you got rain or not. So kind of following on from that then, John, we had a an exceptionally dry month of October. October. So... And I suppose on the back of the good performance of winter crops in 18, um, there was a big acreage of winter barley and, and winter wheat sown, really. So winter barley would look to be at a record level. Now, the Chagas estimate is in around 75,000 hectares, uh, and winter wheat would be back up where, where it would have been previously. So, so we have a big acreage in there. Um, in terms of prospects for the season ahead, I suppose last year there was a couple of unusual things in that there was particular demand for forage, there was also a probably unprecedented demand for straw. So I suppose there are two things that, that may kind of feed into into 2019 as well. Um, I suppose on, on the slightly more ne- negative side then, the price prospects probably at the currently wouldn't be as good as last year, you know. Um, that would be one thing. And obviously, the same as every sector, fertilizer has increased. Um, our cost and returns, we've factored in a 12% increase in fertilizer costs there. And the other big change from last year would be seed costs. They're up about 15% on, on last year. Now, that's kind of a symptom of the higher grain price. So you tend to get higher seed prices than the, the following season. So overall, I suppose the profitability in 18 in general would have been good. Um, and I suppose the prospects today would be maybe slightly less so. I suppose you, we factored in a slightly lower grain price. And as I said, those, those input increases as well, John. Thank you, Kieran. Mr. Kieran Collins, Chagask Tillage Specialist, Moor Park for Moy, and we'll have more from Kieran in the midweek edition of the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme on this coming Wednesday evening between 10 pm and 11 pm. With results from the Kilbritton ploughing match, Mr. Richard White, PRO Cork West Ploughing Association. Richard, results from Kilbritton. Yeah, thank you, John. Uh, Kilbritton Ploughing Association held their 26th annual match on Sunday last Saturday the 3rd at uh, Ballinkeen, Kilbritton, on the lands of um, Bertie and Julia O'Mahony. Uh, it was a nice high dry site, and um, there were 43 entries, and uh, there was great, very good good days out, but, uh, and uh, things went well. It was the fifth Sunday in a row in which the competitions took place, so all the plowmen were very pleased about that. Uh, the results are as follows. In the senior tractor, first, Jim Grace, second, John Murphy, Third, Kieran Coakley. Fourth, Jackie O'Driscoll. And fifth, Dennis McCarthy. An intermediate tractor. First, Johnny O'Donovan. And second, Dennis Murphy. The ladies' class, first was Ellen Nyan. And second was Rachel O'Driscoll. The under-28 in first place was Aidan O'Donovan. And second was George Kirby. And the under-21 class, first was James O'Sullivan. Second, Dean O'Farrell. And third, Andrew O'Donovan. In the market class, first was David Welsh, second, Keane Harrington, and third, Nilo Driscoll. The three for a conventional, first was John Cohan, and second was Matthew Coakley. And in the parish class, first was Noel Nyan. The senior two for a vegetable, first was George Coakley, second, Limo Driscoll, and third, Michael Witchery. The standard reversible in first place was Paddy Welsh, second, Timothy Lawler, third, Dan Hurley, and fourth, Jerry Creedon. 
the single for it in first place was Trevor Fleming, second Gordon Jennings, and third Damien Hearn. And the trailer vintage first was John Wolfe. In the open hydraulic vintage first was Michael Ryan, second John O'Neill, third Michael Welch, fourth Dennis Cummins, and fifth Phylum Cotter. The confined hydraulic vintage uh, first was Ito Wiesema, and second was Sean McCarthy. So that completes the Quilbritton results. And then on tomorrow Sunday, Tim League Plum Association are holding their annual match on the lands of Colin Bateman at Barry's Hall, by its kind permission. And um, they would like entries uh, to be in by 5 o'clock on today, Saturday, uh, to Kieran on 0876165600. That's 0816165600. But I suppose the, the week has, has been quite damp and... Uh, Hopefully this event will be going will go ahead as well. But uh, people can listen out for the radio and, and see that everything is, is in order on the day. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. Richard White, PRO for the Cork West Ploughing Association. Thank you, Richard. Thank you very much, John. You're very welcome. Mr. Sean Dennehy, IFA National Sheep Committee Chairman, reminds dog owners that they should be vigilant in taking care of their animals and not to allow them to take part in attacks on pregnant ewes or sheep flocks in general. Dog owners have a responsibility to keep their dogs under control, and it's absolutely crucial this happens, especially this time of the year, all year round, but especially this time of the year. Yos are heavy in land, and when a dog gets out and gets into a bunch of yos, even if it's only a short chase, it causes untold heartache for the farmer. Um, some some yos after a short run will abort. Um, if the if the attack is more severe the sheep will be torn alive and some of them might have to be put down other yos get driven into ditches and drains and they they, they they're more prone to attacking the drains or or else they just sometimes they just drown inside in rivers and drains so it, it is a desperate time for farmers that have put in an awful lot of effort during the year to make sure their flock is well looked after and they're in the best condition they can have them in for for lambing time and uh, they're looking forward to a good year of lambing this this year is kind of positive because there's grass there and and uh, they had a really hard year last year and and they're more positive about this lambing season but it's all ruined if if uh, a dog comes along and chases their sheep and they suffer attack um any any kind of a dog can attack um from your small little yorkshire terrier right up to um, dogs that control breeds and um, it's, it's, it's devastating for the farmer Make sure you know where your pet is at night, during the night time make sure it's locked up or it's by the fireside or that you know where it is At night time especially but even during the day people can go out and, and, and they're collecting the kids from school uh, just that few 5 or 10 minutes while they're, they're gone out collecting their kids can be the time that the dog will team up with another dog because he's been out inside all during the day he'll team up with another dog and they just head off and um, like dog owners can be held responsible for the damage done to a sheep flock and it can run into thousands of pounds so just a small bit of care can avoid all that and, and it's not it's not just uh, homeowners it's farmers as well farmers have a responsibility as well to keep their dogs under control so it's it's every dog owner not just people that live in towns and 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 villages it it's every dog owner a brutal warning to pet owners to dog owners i understand the farmer has the right to shoot an animal that's attacking and savaging sheep or worrying pregnant ewes 
sheep farmers uh, perfectly within his rights to to shoot a dog if if he has no other means of of catching that dog. If you if you see your your sheep being savaged by dogs, you you're perfectly within your rights to to, to shoot that dog. And and that's not that's not a thing that farmers want to do firsthand. But when they see their their livelihood wasting away in front of them, and they have no other option only to control the dog as fast as they can, and and that often uh, entails the dog having being shot. Um, we had a case down in in Dunmanway recently where a man that that uh, had purebred blackface yaws, his 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 uh, replacement yaws were were attacked by by dogs and. Uh, Three of them were killed and three of them were missing. And this this man's two best best uh, hoggets are, that he took around to show them won prizes with, with were were one um, some of the sheep that were killed in the attack. And he's devastated because he spent an awful lot of money buying his, his best type ram and having the best ram and the show ram and and he loves to go around doing shows and stuff like that. I'm sure he will next year again. But it's devastating for him for his two best yours show yours to be gone off off his uh, flock. Should all dogs now be chipped? Should they have a little chip to identify their owners? Yeah, I, I, the, the IFA are pushing that the, the chip and the licence be linked and that every dog has to be microchipped. It's, it's the law that every dog has to be microchipped. Um, the particular dogs that were involved in that case, a Collie and a Labrador, weren't, weren't microchipped. And it's, it's, it's outside the law. People have to have their dogs microchipped. And we're calling on the minister to enforce that a, a bit more stringently than what has been done up to now. And we're also calling on the, the minister to, to and, and Owen Murphy, the minister for, for in charge of the environment, to, to, to run the ad that used to be run in the, the 80s, um, bon, the Bonzo ad that we're, everybody's familiar with. It's, um, to heighten the awareness at this time of the year of keeping your family pet under control and keeping him in and making sure you know where he is. We've had a couple of calls from people to say how much they appreciated the IFA organising that sheep meeting of Anne Falls, Ballylicky. A great turnout. It's probably the, one of the biggest meetings I've been at this year. And uh, the farmers there showed great commitment and, and they, they all spoke from the floor. And their, their biggest thing at, at the moment is is Dog, people keep their dogs under control, and they had other issues as well, with with say burning and, and uh, other issues uh, with cap and and uh, the environment and all that. And and farmers um, farmers engage positively at these meetings, and and it's great to meet farmers and and know what the feeling is on the ground. And I'm getting it all the time. But the the biggest thing at the moment is to heighten the awareness of dog owners to keep their dogs under control and, and not to be leaving them out without supervision. You, you need to know where they are at all times. And further to that conversation with Mr Sean Dennehy, IFA National Sheep Committee Chairman, we would refer our listeners to an article in the Irish Examiner Farming Supplement Thursday, February 7th by Ms Karen Walsh, solicitor dealing primarily with farming matters. In her article... The rights and obligations of dog owners points out that a farmer should only consider ever shooting a dog in the most extreme of circumstances. And for further information regarding the circumstances, quite limited, in which a farmer can consider shooting a dog, full details in that feature, the rights and obligations of dog owners. Irish Examiner Farming Supplement, Thursday 7th of February, or contained in the reference work 
Farming and the Law by Karen Walsh, Solicitor, 17 South Malling, Cork City. Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, Miss Susan Casey, Calf Milk Replacer Specialist with Dairy Gold Agribusiness. First of all, Susan, welcome to the programme. Now, just to remind our listeners and your customers, what would the more important steps be which farmers should be taking even now while calving or indeed before calving starts at all? I'm sure there are very important points you want to remind our listeners about? So, John, I suppose the first kind of thing that farmers need to get right is the kind of the basics. So hygiene, no matter what you're feeding, you need to make sure that the calving pen is clean, it's dry and that it's bedded regularly with straw. Straw is your, your best friend at this time of year, not only for the calving area, but for the calf shed. Um prioritise any cows that are calving and make sure that they have a cubicle space to lie down and that the cubicles are limed. And if possible, bring them in and clip the tails. This will also help you when you're milking in the parlour once they're calved. Um, the reason for this is that when the, ca- the calf is born, it has no immunity and they get up and they try to suck. And usually it's around the flank, in around the other and the tail area. And they're taking in any dirt that's on the cow there before they actually put their head down and suck. And the issue there is that if they take in any dirt, they are actually going to get infected. So there's farmers that would have vaccinated for rotavirus and then they'd complain that, oh, my calves are still infected. Chances are they were infected before they ever got the colostrum with the antibodies. So also then the colostrum, that's why it's so important to get it in as quick as you can. So the first milk in the first two hours and you're looking for three litres or 10 percent of the body weight. What should farmers be checking in their sheds now to ensure calves turn out to be happy and healthy? So once they're taken away and they're putting into the pens, make sure that the pens are all cleaned and that they're cleaned regularly throughout the season. I know this is easier said than done when when it's so busy, um, but make sure that they have enough straw. You want the, especially the baby calves, prioritise them until they're about a week or two old, that they're able to really nest into the into the straw and cover themselves to keep themselves warm. Um, the calves need a temperature of about 15 to 25 degrees and anything below that then, they start burning um, any feed or energy they have to to keep themselves and to maintain themselves so that if they're not at that temperature you're only wasting the feed that you're giving them so check your shed go in and go down to calf level there's no point in standing up the calves won't be there get down to calf level make sure that the bed is dry your knee should be dry and then if there's any draft block up the gates with a bit of boarding um, you can get windbreakers even put up straw bales and just make sure that there's no draft and then if they're still if you still think that the shed is very cold, you could get calf jackets and just use them for the first week or two for any weak calves or any calves you think that would be under pressure. When can customers move on to milk replacer? They can move on to milk replacer from three, two, three, four days old, but some customers wait a bit later than that. It is important that if you're vaccinating, for instance, for um, rotavirus, so the rotavac, um, you need to leave the calves on transition milk for about 10 days to make sure that they're strong enough before the, those antibodies are taken away because they're only present once they're getting the milk. Um, so for if you were vaccinating for that, that's the only reason why you would wait on the transition milk. But other than that, you can move them on at three to four days old. 
And um, we actually have more information on how to do this in our this month's Milk Matters, which is a, either you've received in the post or for any other customers, it's on the Dairy Gold website. And if you have any other issues, um, you can contact myself on 87 1246 or the inside sales team on 022-31644. To recap, what would the key points be to look for in a milk replacement? So I know in a previous interview you went in great detail into the key points that a good milk replacer should have, but what are the key points to look for in a milk replacer? Yeah, so for anyone that hasn't bought it yet and they're just looking, so the first ingredient we would recommend that you'd be looking for a whey protein. That's the best kind of protein you can get. Um, and it would be compared to skim. But the difference from whey protein to skim is that the skim will sit in the stomach. Um, it coagulates, the casing coagulates, so that then it will reduce the intake of concentrate. So you want the calf taking in as much concentrate as possible. So that's why we would say whey protein. Then you want to check the temperature. The milk replacer should be able to be mixed below 40 degrees or at 40 degrees. That's very important, especially if you have an auto. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work you really really want it all to work out while you're away monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind when all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync things just flow wherever you are tap the banner to go to monday.com even on a budget quality is non-negotiable that's why quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Automatic feeder. Um, our own milk replacer, the Prime Elite range, can be mixed in cold water because of the high quality protein and the fact that it is spray dried. And again, if you're looking at additives, just be wary of what they actually promise. No one, no additive into a milk replacer can cure anything. It's a preventative, so it's usually a blend of essential oils. Um, and our own product, um, the Prime Elite 25, has digestrum which has been proven in trials, um, in research and on farm to actually be effective. Dairy Gold Agribusiness, there are a number of offers which uh, you might remind our listeners about. Some people will be aware of them, be even taking advantage of them. But just a brief reminder regarding those very important offers. Yeah, so if for every five bags of the primary milk replacer that you buy, you get one bag free of crispy calf, calf grow or calf pride. So there's a concentrate there for every stage of the calf. Um, 
And if you buy a pallet, then say that's 12 bags free of ration that you'd be getting. There's been a lot of talk about once a day feeding. Does this require a certain type of milk replacer? No. So I suppose once a day has become a lot more popular recently with the shortage of labour. But the most important point is that any milk replacer can be used on once a day. Our own Prime Elite product has been used in once a day um, by customers. I've been on the farms. I've seen it. The most important thing about once a day is the concentration of solids that you would use. So a lot of customers could kind of think that oh, it'll help reduce the cost as well as the labour, but it actually tends not to because you were still expected to use the same amount of solids. It's just that you would be putting it into one feed, so you would be reducing the, the amount of water that you would mix it with and just increasing the concentration of the milk replacer. But it could be a labour-saving opportunity. It is for actually making up the milk replacer, but the time that you aren't um, using to mix up the milk replacer and actually feed the calves, you should still be spending on watching them because it is a stressful period. So even by not having those regular feeds, the calves can become stressed. So it's really important that you take that time that you're not using feeding them to, to watch the calves, check their breeding, um, just walk up and down the shed and make sure they have enough forage and concentrate available. Speaking to Miss Susan Casey, calf milk replacer specialist with Dairy Good Agribusiness. Susan, those points you've covered there, I'm sure there are many listeners who would like to inquire further or find out more about the service. Have you some telephone numbers, people, if they like to get uh, writing material ready? Are there some phone numbers where people could contact you or staff members or Dairy Good Agribusiness uh, service team or inside sales? Yeah, so you can contact myself on 87 That's 087 Or you can contact the Inside Sales team on 022-316-44. That's fine. We've certainly covered a lot of material there. Any other points you want to mention at all, <coughs> Susan, regarding the whole situation of calf milk replacer as a specialist it's important even when feeding the milk replacer or the whole milk that you still provide concentrates and forage and water from the start so from two to three days old you should be providing a coarse um, ration that will help to encourage chewing and saliva which promotes the digestion and it builds the muscle in the rumen and again straw is the preferred roughage um, that should be available to calves as well from two to three days old to get the rumen developed and water as well. It's kind of it tends to be overlooked when they're on the milk, but it's very important for every kg of concentrate that a calf would take. They need five liters of water, whether that's coming from feed or just plain water. So it's important to have those three. Thank you very much indeed, Susan. Miss Susan Casey, calf milk replacer specialist with the Dairy Gold Agri Business. Thank you, Susan. Thanks, John. Miss Karen Walsh, Principal, Walsh and Partners, Solicitors, 17 South Mall, author of Farming and the Law, joins us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme to look at a new proposed legislation concerning hill walkers due for introduction later this year, 2019. Karen, welcome to the programme. Okay, well, there's been talk by the Minister that legislation is due to come in before the end of this year. It's hoped to protect farmers from compensation claims being made by hillwalkers in particular who use their land. Um, and it's supposed to come in by the end of the year and basically would involve a state claims agency being set up and that it would be the state claims agency would 
would defend cases being taken by hill walkers who injure themselves on land rather than the farmers directly. So it's proposed that a new indemnity scheme would be introduced before the end of the year. So, it, and I suppose the IFA feel that this is, doesn't go far enough, that it should bring in a national scheme to protect all farmers from claims by, um, by all hikers. But it, it is a welcome development and it would be great to see this legislation being signed in before the end of the year. Um, so there is no, um, we don't have the exact legislation yet, but um, it is something that's proposed to be brought in to, re I suppose, reduce the burden on farmers if a hiker or a hillwalker has an accident on their land that they won't have to defend the case, that it will be the state claims agency will look after it. What is the duty of care, if any, of a farmer or landowner to hillwalkers, hitchhikers, people who come onto the land uh, for recreational purposes? And, of course, we are always reminded by the Occupiers Liability Law, the farm is a business place, it's a, a working environment, etc. So what would the duty of care be, if any, of a farmer or a landowner to people who just uh, decide to ramble onto a person's land? Well, the, the rights of hillwalkers, as you said, and ramblers are codified in the Occupiers Liability Act 1995. So a farmer owes a restricted duty of care to recreational users, which hillwalkers would fall under that category by ensuring not to injure them intentionally or act with reckless disregard for them. So this, this provides that where there's a structure on land or there's a premises which would be mostly used by recreational use, users, that the farmer, the landowner, the occupier must take reasonable care to maintain the structure in a safe condition. There have been situations and there's been cases in the news where there has been considerable conflict between the hillwalking community and the farming community. On the one hand, you have hillwalkers who believe that they should be permitted access to roam the countryside for exercise, recreation, walking and hiking. And on the other hand, you have landowners and farmers who are just um, trying to um, earn a livelihood and want to protect their land and their family who are concerned about their exposure to potential personal injury claims arising from accidents on their land. So this, this proposed legislation, it's welcome, it's, it's a good start, it's a good development, it's a positive development. Now, you probably have answered this question more or less already to some extent, uh, Karen, but could you explain to our listeners what exactly, specifically, insofar as you can, what the new legislation being proposed by the government to help farmers against claims by hill walkers on the lands. Could you explain in more detail what exactly would be in that law if it's passed as intended? The proposal is that, that the state claims agency and not the farmers would defend cases taken by hill walkers so that the farmer would be in a direct court case with the, with the person who has alleged that they've been injured on the land, it would be the state claims would take over and that there would be a new indemnity scheme introduced before the end of the year. Um, and and it's, it's proposed that this indemnity scheme would be introduced on a phased basis across a number of regions. And it, it's seen as kind of um, the first step in maybe helping to protect farmers from claims by hikers. I can't really get into exact detail on it because it's, it hasn't been brought into law yet and the legislation isn't, is going to be very defined. Obviously, there'll be different definitions and interpretation of the Act and all of that, but that's the proposal and it's supposed to come in before the end of the year. And I imagine there is great pressure by farmers, by landowners, and specifically the IFA representing farmers. I'm sure there is great pressure to have a law brought in as soon as possible, as early as possible this year. 
to try and protect farmers because they're extremely vulnerable to think that a person with no knowledge of um, countryside or no knowledge of the wilds of, of a mountainside or how they could trip or fall or injure themselves, a person perhaps from an urban area going into the countryside. So very important the farmer would be protected from the risks that individual might bring on themselves. There has to be a common sense approach to both hillwalkers and landowners alike. For example, if there's a dangerous structure on the land, the farmer would be obliged to make the, the structure safe and at the same time implement sufficient warning notices for users. But balancing that with the hillwalker has a duty to themselves to, make, to, to exercise some common sense and to, for example, not walk near cliff edges. So there has to be a balance. And I suppose the thing as well with farmers is that they, they, someone may allege they had an accident and um, even if the farmer or the landowner occupier is not at fault at all, the, the case still will be brought. And sometimes the insurance company will take a view that it's better to just settle it to avoid incurring legal costs by continuing on with the case. And then ultimately the farmer has his insurance premium increased and has to pay an increased insurance premium. So any, t- any positive development in this area is definitely welcome by landowners. From what people have read in the press and the cases they've heard of, there is a certain arrogance often by people. They feel they have a right, inverted commas, to go anywhere across the land of Ireland. And of course, all that makes the farmer frighteningly vulnerable. In my opinion, the law at the moment does not afford enough protection to farmers and landowners. And um, it's no wonder there has been a great deal of resistance and disagreement surrounding the issue. I mean, farmers work hard and the last thing they want is a claim by a hill walker that has an accident on their land. Um, and, you know, it, it, would, it would relieve a lot of stress and worry and, um, by farmers for, for people hill walking on their lands that someone else would, would deal with any claim or that there would be some indemnity scheme in, introduced. I mean, you need to look abroad. There's other countries, for example, New Zealand, um, have, uh, have adopted a quite an interesting and refreshing approach to this. Um, they have they've basically, the, the, the government have acquired rights of way over certain lands. And the, 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 it, it's an interesting approach in that the government in New Zealand does not, it doesn't utilise statutory powers to acquire land, but instead purchases rights of way or leases the relevant pathways. So if anyone has an accident on that pathway, then it is the government who will deal with the claim rather than the particular landowner. Ramblers and um, hitchhikers, have they a different legal standing in the UK than they would have here? No, they've made significant inroads in, in, in developing a statutory right of access in the countryside. And I think the real breakthrough came in 2000 by virtue of the they introduced the Countryside and Rights of Way Act 2000. And this permitted a right... Um, for, for hill walkers to roam with some qualification and, and the act states that a person may access land provided he or she does so without breaking or damaging any wall, fence, hedge or gate upon the land and it, it goes further in that it protects the property interests of landowners to some degree. You, it's always good to look to other jurisdictions or to, to other areas to see what they're doing because it's not here in Ireland that we have this problem. Um, so, so, you know, this is a good this is good development this new bill that's being proposed to come in before the end of the year. Very interesting indeed. Now, if there are farmers out there or people out there worried about a specific problem and they're not sure if it's covered by the law at the moment or they feel vulnerable, or indeed if they want uh, information or advice or guidance or consultation, be it at a professional level, 
if there are people who would like to contact you or contact your office or staff at your office on a particular point of law because you have written that um, outstanding reference work, farming and the law. Now, is there a phone number or phone contact or how could people arrange to uh, perhaps uh, meet with one of your staff or yourself in your office in your premises, South Mall? Yes, John. My phone number is 021-427-0200 and it's 021-427-0200 and I can be contacted by email um, on the website which is walshampartners.ie um, and you can ring the office to make a, um, arrange an appointment to meet with myself or some one, mem- one of my staff members. What can farmers do at this point in time? What can farmers and landowners do at this point in time to protect themselves, bearing in mind we already have occupiers' liability in force? So what can farmers do to protect themselves against the hillwalkers, ramblers? So is there anything that all farmers and landowners can actually do as things stand? So the first thing is to make sure you have public liability insurance and it's, it's in place and it's paid up to date. And the, I suppose the other thing is you could consider putting signs up in your land warning people of, the dan- of any dangers. I've written about it in my book and, for example, notices should be simple, clear, reasonable and placed in prominent locations and carefully drafted to maybe warn anyone who's thinking of entering onto your lands of any danger on your land and that you're limiting your exposure in case anything happens on your land once they come onto your land. And, you know, if anything happens, to notify your insurer. But, you know, I suppose that's at the moment, and hopefully this legislation now will give an extra bit of comfort to farmers when it's, when it's brought into law, hopefully by the end of the year. Well, thank you very much indeed, Miss Karen Walsh, Solicitor, Principal Walsh and Part of Solicitors, 17 South Mallon, Cork City, and also author of Farming and the Law, published by Clarence Press and available at 17 South Mall, your office in Cork City, or from good booksellers in Cork or further afield. And the phone number to arrange appointments or consultations, professional consultations with you, your staff or your office, would be 21 Four two seven two zero zero. You might just confirm those details are correct, Karen. Zero two one four two seven zero two zero zero. That's wonderful. Thank you very much indeed, yep. Karen. Thanks a million. Thanks a million, John. Sheep and goat flock owners are advised there is still time to submit your 2018 sheep and goat census, but only online at this stage. The paper submission date was Thursday, 31st of January, 2019. The new deadline for the online submission of 2018 sheep and goat census data is 14th of February 2019, but that's only online. Online submission of census returns forms for sheep and goats may be done through www.agfood.ie. The online system provides confirmation when a census submission has been completed successfully. Farmers who are not registered for online services can do so by logging on to www.agfood.ie and clicking the option to register. As login details are issued by post, farmers using the system for the first time should register immediately to allow sufficient time for their logon details to reach them in time. Submission of a completed census is central to declaring that required stocking rates are being maintained and facilitates the drawing down of payments under schemes such as the Sheep Welfare Scheme, Basic Payment Scheme, BPS, Areas of Natural Constraint Scheme, ANCs, 
EOS, GLOSS, etc. For those postal returns received by the Department of Agriculture after the closing date of 31st of January of this year, and for online returns received by the Department after 14th of February 2019, listeners, please note that the late return of 2018 census dates may have implications for eligibility to certain Department of Agriculture food and marine schemes. Completion and return of the annual sheep and or goat census 2018 forms is a legal obligation on the keeper. Failure to return a completed form on time could impact on eligibility for certain Department of Agriculture food and the marine schemes. The onus is on the sheep or goat flock herd owner to make sure that completed census forms being returned by post are received on time. Details of the changes relating to the extension of EID to all sheep are set out on the department's website under Animal Health and Welfare slash forward Animal Identification and Movement slash Sheep National Sheep Identification System Extension of EID to all sheep. Under the new rules relating to the National Sheep Identification System with effect from 1st of June this year 2019, all sheep moving from any holding must be identified electronically, EID. Lambs aged under 12 months of age moving directly to slaughter from holding of birth may be identified with a single electronic tag in the animal's right ear. All other sheep must be identified with a full EID set of tags, that is to say, an electronic tag bearing the individual number of the sheep in the right ear and a corresponding conventional tag bearing the same number in the left ear. Electronic bolus sets will also be acceptable. Generally, only electronic tags can be purchased for sheep since October of 2018. Further information, if required, may be had from the Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine at the following number, 01 for Dublin, 6072802, or at the website, www.agriculture.gov.ie. IFA President Joe Healy has said that the IFA is holding an intensive lobby of all TDs and senators on the beef crisis. Venue will be in Dublin next Wednesday, February 13th. And that's our programme for this morning. I'm John O'Connor. Thanks to John Foot and Controls. And a special thank you to you, the listener, for tuning in. Our next Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme is scheduled for this coming Wednesday evening, the midweek edition, between 10pm and 11pm. Farm Talk with Dairy Gold Quality Feeds. Trusted by generations of farmers. Dairy Gold Quality Feeds. Putting your animal nutrition needs first. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. 
For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.